Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 890 of the Juice Box Podcast. Welcome back, everyone, to the Best of the Juice Box podcast series. Today, we're going to revisit episode 375, Dexcom Calibration Practices. This episode originally aired on September 4th, 2020, and it features Jenny Smith and I talking about when we uh, calibrate our Dexcom G6s. It's still something I see people ask every day. So here it is. While you're listening today, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. Are you a U.S. resident who has type 1 or the caregiver of someone with type 1? Please go to t1dexchange.org forward slash juice box. Join the registry, complete the survey. When you complete that survey, you are helping type 1 diabetes research to move forward right from your sofa. You also might be helping out yourself and you're supporting the podcast. t1dexchange.org forward slash juice box. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Cozy Earth. Now you can get 35% off your entire order at CozyEarth.com just by using the offer code JUICEBOX at checkout. I'm wearing Cozy Earth joggers and a sweatshirt right now. These joggers are like the best. And uh, our sheets are super duper, super, super cool and silky and soft. Also from Cozy Earth. CozyEarth.com, use the offer code JUICEBOX to save 35%. My daughter Arden began wearing the Omnipod tubeless insulin pump on February 4th, 2009. That was 5,093 days ago. Or another way to think of it, 1,697 pods ago. At that time, she was four years old. Hang out with me for a moment while I tell you more about the Omnipod. Omnipod.com forward slash juice box. Today, Arden is 18 and still wearing Omnipod. Back then, there was one choice, just one pod. But today, you have a decision to make. Do you want the Omnipod 5, the first and only tubeless automated insulin delivery system to integrate with the Dexcom G6? Because if you do, it's available right now for people with type 1 diabetes ages 2 years and older. The Omnipod 5 is an algorithm-based pump that features smart adjust technology. That means that the Omnipod 5 is adjusting insulin delivery based on your customized target glucose. That's helping you to protect against high and low blood sugars both day and night automatically. Both the Omnipod 5 and the Omnipod Dash are waterproof. You can wear them while you're playing sports, swimming, in the shower, the bathtub, anywhere really. That kind of freedom coupled with tubeless a tubeless pump. You understand it's not connected to anything. The controller is not connected to the pod. The pod is not connected to anything. You're wearing it on the body tubelessly. No tubing to get caught on doorknobs or anywhere else that tubing with those other insulin pumps can get caught. Omnipod.com forward slash juice box. That's where you go to find out more. You may be eligible for a free 30-day trial of the Omnipod Dash. You should check that out too when you get to my link. 
omnipod.com forward slash juice box. So if you're looking for an insulin pump that is tubeless, waterproof, and automated, you're looking for the Omnipod 5. If you want to do it on your own and you're not looking for the automation, Omnipod Dash. For full safety, risk information, and free trial terms and conditions, please also visit omnipod.com forward slash juice box. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 375 of the Juicebox podcast. On today's show, Jenny Smith and I will discuss different ideas around calibrating continuous glucose monitors. My perspective, of course, will come from the Dexcom G6 because that's what Arden uses. Jenny also wears the G6, but she has worn the Medtronic CGM. And many of you have added your thoughts to this episode through the private Facebook group, for the podcast, I asked this question, hey, calibrating your CGM, yes or no? And we got a lot of answers. And they're all woven into this episode. At the end, I will read directly to you from Dexcom's website. And of course, while you're listening, I'd love it if you'd remember that nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Please always consult a physician before making changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. I also took a few minutes from the conversation while Jenny was setting up her microphone and everything, and she was admitting to not being able to do something around her house, and I put it at the end of the episode so you can enjoy it. Jenny is delightful. You want to know something else about Jenny? You can hire her. Just go to integrateddiabetes.com. Jenny Smith has been living with type 1 diabetes for 31 years. She holds a bachelor's degree in human nutrition and biology from the University of Wisconsin. She's a registered and licensed dietitian, a certified diabetes educator, and certified trainer on most makes and models of insulin pumps and continuous glucose monitors. She is also a very good friend of the podcast, so check her out. And while you're looking, check out the Contour Next One blood glucose meter. Go to contournext.com forward slash juicebox to find what I believe to be the greatest blood glucose meter available. Second chance test strips, super bright light for nighttime viewing. It fits easily in your hand, but doesn't slip away. I don't know if that makes sense or not, but it's easy to hold. You don't drop it. I like the shape. I like how portable it is. I can find it in a bag at night without the lights on. I've never told you that before, but it's easy to find in a bag. And its testing ability is just first class. Contournext.com forward slash juicebox or the links in your show notes or the ones available at juiceboxpodcast.com. If you have time, I'd also love it if you check out touchedbytype1.org and t1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox. Touched by Type 1 is my favorite diabetes organization. And T1D Exchange, they're doing research to help people living with type 1 diabetes. And every one of you that completes the research, you just need to be from the United States, have type 1 diabetes, or be the guardian or parent of someone with type 1 diabetes. Anyway, when you finish the research, the podcast gets a little help. You know what I mean? A little cha-ching. And you're helping people live better with type 1 diabetes. It's a great organization. 100% HIPAA compliant. Absolutely anonymous. You can take your information out at any time. Just tell them, look, I don't want to be a part of this anymore if you want to, right? So there's no pressure. You'll never have to go to a doctor's office, never have to go to a testing site. 
And once a year, they'll ask you a couple of questions to keep your information updated. And your answers help shape type 1 diabetes care. It's pretty cool. Being Arden's parent, I was able to fill out the survey. It took me less than 10 minutes. And I did not find any of the questions to be like, I was I was never like, oh God, why did they ask me that? It was all very pretty simple, actually. It was easy to do. I think we're going to record an episode today that has the opportunity to be very controversial. Oh, great. But not in a way that I think is going to get us fun. In, I don't think it's going to get us in too much trouble. So I this is going to sound crazy, right? But I want to talk about how you manage your G6 as far as calibrating it or not calibrating it goes. And I asked online and got 77 replies. I just said to people. And are all they, are they all different? Oh my God. All of them are so different. <laughs> so it says, I, I, I said Dexcom calibration thread, share what works for you. And I, and I did say your tips may be used in an upcoming episode of the podcast. So first, I guess we'll talk about what we do, and then we'll dig through all of this. Now, it, for clarity, right, that, I mean, Dexcom, you know, their, I guess their public statement is that the Dexcom G6 does not need to be calibrated. It doesn't need to be unless it's, unless the system asks for a calibration, okay. which in my year and a half of use of G6 now, I've... I think I've seen it ask for a calibration maybe twice okay. of its own, like, you know, like hey, this is not right. Or I think one of them might have been, you're not right. I'm going to give you a calibration. And then the system was like, no, 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 no. I'm going to ask for a calibration again in like 30 minutes or something. I think it's what it kind of did. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, technically G6 isn't supposed to require a calibration through the whole 10 days of life right. unless it requests one. Okay. All right. So there's a whole bunch of information on the website about it. I'll probably read it at the end just so that it's in here. <laughs> By the way, keep in mind, I did not tell Dexcom I was making this. I don't do that. So I didn't, I wasn't like, we're going to do a calibration episode. It's just something people talk about all the time. And every time someone talks about it, it's like religion or politics. Do you know what I mean? Like right. someone will come in and say, well, here's what I do. And 30 people will be like, that's wrong. Don't do that. Right. And I was like, wow, everyone has such feelings about this, you know? Yes. So obviously I think whatever works for you is what works for you. Um, but Jenny, do you, like, do you have like a, like a, a way, like when you start a new sensor, is there a thing you do? Or do you just pop when it I in? I start a new sensor. I pop it in. I expect it's funny. I, I see a lot of people, um, you know, work with a lot of people who are like, it always kind of like you just said, it is always low for a one hour, for five hours, for six hours after I started up, I know that it's just going to read me low and whatever. I'm kind of, I think I'm sort of odd in that sometimes when it gets going, it is spot on. And I always do a finger stick because mm-hmm. I always want to verify where it is. That's just my habit. Yeah. Um, sometimes it stays completely reliable from the get-go. It's great. Right. Sometimes it's a little bit off, but then as it kind of keeps going, it gets right on with a finger stick. Yeah. And sometimes it has that weird low 
The funny thing about that low is it always seems to be if I have to change the sensor at night, it's going to be low. (laughs) And then I'm going to be fighting the annoying alerts all night long. All right. Okay. So always the time. That, all right, I can relate to what you're saying. I might take a detour for a second here, but before I do, you're um, I know you're you're spotty on your end. You plugged in the mm. Ethernet, right? I did plug it in. Yes. Okay. All right, make that mic a little closer to you, please. So Is I better. I yes, I do okay. think that. Um, what's that old cartoon with a round head? And. Do you know what I mean? It's like if something's going to go wrong, it will, and it's attributed. How is it possible? I can't remember. Murphy's Law. Oh Murphy's Law. Okay. Yeah. Was well, it a cartoon? Or you said I a cartoon. I think it's actually. I don't know that it's necessarily a. Is maybe it is a cartoon? I don't know. Well, what am I? Con- it's known what am I as thinking? like rule of thumb. What am I thinking of? I think I'm. I may have had a mini stroke just now because I don't think there's any cartoon associated with Murphy's Law. Okay, let's get away from that. And I think that this might also be the issue between my voice. How did that get there? <laughs> I well, it came with the mic. Okay, and I always try to be very protective of the mic. No, since Jenny, it throw that so away. I, I always put the little styrofoam thing. She's got back the packing styrofoam in. between the microphone and her mouth. Will you throw that out, please? No wonder you can't change that light bulb. Everything you said about the light bulb staying in the episode now, just so you know. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Fabulous. My God. All, All right. right. So, yeah. So, I said at the beginning, but just to reiterate, Arden's CGMs usually go on, and then they read perfectly, and mm-hmm. then sometime in the first hour, it just decides that she's low, like, you know, way lower than she is, and if you let it ride out, it comes back up. Now, if in a it, particular time, do you have like a defined time that usually? Yeah, I think in like, uh, if I don't see it in like three or four hours, then here I go. I calibrate it if it's not that. It, okay. Now, I don't calibrate low to 90, right? So we'll talk about that. Like you can confuse the CGM if, if the reality is, if the reality is too far from where the CGM thinks it is. Right, you can't calibrate it because it just goes does not compute, and sh- you know it, it. It you you fry its mind, um, and it takes forever for it to come back from that. But no, if she's if she's a hundred, and and for clarity too, I think this makes sense to say. Obviously, we're using the Contour Next One uh, blood glucose meter. If you mm-hmm. have a like an old janky blood glucose meter, you know the G six is probably way more reliable than your old meter is, right? But correct. I'm very comfortable that this meter is um, is pretty spot on. And so if the meter tells me she's 100, but it says she's 60, well, then that's too far apart, obviously. Um, and so I'll calibrate it, but I'll tell it like she's 75 and kind of coax it up and then test her again a little while later and coax it the rest of the way. So that's okay. one of the ways I sort of... If it's too far apart, I I calibrate, but I don't. And you have no time frame to calibration. Coax it kind of midway, like you said. And if it gets up to par quicker, you probably don't calibrate again at all, or at all. Even doesn't, then you'll calibrate again. But that's not like a defined time period after that initial coaxing. Yeah, yeah. I don't have like I don't have like a magic number to it, like. Like right. everyone else does. Like here's a person who said, um, 
Over 50 points off, I wait an hour for blood sugars to stabilize. And if it's still off, I pull it and get a replacement. Well, that seems aggressive. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I wouldn't do that because last night, like I said, Arden's sensor went on around 7, came online around 9, um, was great, said she was low around 10. She was in the shower, but I don't think that has anything to do with it. She gets out. It's wrong for a while, and then it just is right again, and then it just shuts off for like two hours. And so last night oh. was a, was last night was an uncommon occurrence for us. We don't usually lose a signal during it, but as it came back on, I calibrated it probably two times overnight. And then it's now it's it's beautiful. Like if I use this person's theory, I would have pulled it off and I knew not to pull it off last night. I was like, no, this one's going to come around. Right. You know, and and it did. Um, hmm. Tina says that I calibrate if it's way off after warm up, but only if it's a stable arrow. I didn't do it once and waited for it to catch up. And that sensor ended up being not good. So there's so much anecdotal conversation in this thread everybody knows i bet you if dexcom was here they would just tell you like don't calibrate it it'll it'll figure it out right but but what do you do when it doesn't figure it out yeah Yeah. that's when people get frustrated like this they're like well it's clearly not doing what i want it to do i haven't calibrated so either i'm just frustrated enough to pull it off and start a new one up or they calibrate and then they calibrate and then they calibrate and then they calibrate. And, you know, I think Dexcom in the first 24 hours tells you not to calibrate, leave it alone. The system should write itself. After that, if the system is off compared to finger stick, then if your glucose is less than 70, you can calibrate if there's more than a 30% difference between finger stick and CGM. If your glucose is more than 70 and finger stick to CGM is off by more than 30 points, then you can calibrate. Okay. So those are the rules of thumb that at least used to be a piece for Dexcom in terms of when they would say, okay, it's, it's okay now to go ahead and calibrate. Yes, the system technically doesn't require them, but if it's this much off, you could calibrate because clearly it's not keeping you where your finger sticks are. And again, I, you know, the fact of using an accurate blood glucose monitor, mm-hmm. that's huge. Yeah. I, that's huge. Yeah. You, you definitely can't use an old technology. No. You know, there's a, a, listen, I'll make this argument all day long. If you've got a 10 year old meter and you've got a Dexcom G6, you trust the Dexcom G6, not the meter. And you don't tell the Dexcom who uh, might really know that your blood sugar is 90 that oh no no it's not it's 120 this old busted up meter i have here says so you, you know right. because then then you're then you're literally telling the the cgm well you're really 120 and it's going no we're not we're 90 and right. and and that causes confusion you know the next person here says stacy goes don't calibrate install the sensor when the bg is most stable like right before bed stay hydrated Learn what the trends are for you or your child because everyone is different. Thanks again for the pocket. Okay, that's not about that. But so her explanation is she doesn't like to put on a new sensor in a time of blood sugar turmoil. 
correct up or down or anything like that is that also something that helps do you think i i would expect that it would help yes i mean i don't my personal do i pay attention to that no i mean when my sensor dies i replace it and i start it up but it for those who do have more issue with sensor accuracy from the get go mm-hmm. it could be a very good rule of thumb because it used to be i mean eons ago when sensors first came out that was the rule with the calibrations make sure that you have a stable horizontal line or a horizontal arrow or there's there's not a very large rate of change happening so that the system can kind of get on par with what it's sensing in a more stable setting. Well, that to me makes sense because if you're rising quickly and at the moment you're 71 and you tell the thing you're 71, it's aware that you're rising, your meter's not. And so by the time you put the number in, you might be 80 and then that's also, well, so, so it's interesting here. Because the next Lisa comes in and says, and these these two people are parents. It's interesting the difference between parents and maybe this is where we really give parents to people with type one a little extra because you know they're paying attention a little extra, right? Like Jenny just <laughs> said, like I'll put my damn thing on whenever I need to, and that's the end of it. But Lisa said new sensor inserted and warm during stable time. She says the same thing, and then she says when it works for her, stay hydrated, avoid rapid blood glucose changes during the warm up and the first hours. For example, it looks like they uh, exercise, physical exercise. Be suspicious of unexpected values in the first evening. I 100% believe in that. I, you know, first day of a Dexcom, if I don't trust what I'm seeing, I check. Right. Um, she says, she gives a little rule of thumb here. If way off from a finger stick and a flat arrow, I calibrate a value in between, but never more than two minimals. Or 36, oh, she's from, uh, oh, yeah, Lisa, I think, is Australian, uh, at a time, normally given one, the sensor gets a brain. Normally given one, a sensor gets a brain. I don't know what she means by that. But um, so that's it for her, right? If it's mm-hmm. way off from a finger stick and you have a flat arrow, I'll calibrate a value in between, but never more than two, than 36 points off for Americans. So I think what she's saying is if the, if the, thing sa- if the sensor says she's 100, and the meter says she's 136. She picks a midpoint and tells it, "Oh, I'm really 118." That's what That's I said. Sounds like yeah, yeah. That sounds like what you're doing too. Yeah, like yeah. coaxing it towards the truth, right? Yeah, it's like the first hour of interrogation after you've been arrested. We don't go right. right. We don't go right for the uh, <laughs> for the. I no. did it. We start off with, "So were you there?" <laughs> right. I do have to say, you know, I guess I didn't. I guess I didn't really think about it in in terms, maybe subconsciously I was thinking about it, but in terms of like the comment about starting a new sensor before exercise, I don't do that. Okay. I will, I guess, again, subconscious level, I will start it when I'm not going to be moving so that things are moving quicker. Mm -hmm. Um, I just do finger sticks. If I have a sensor that dies before I plan to go out, I just do some finger sticks and go about my exercise yeah. plan. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, we, you know, we've run into situations before where we're, you know, throwing on new equipment, honestly, whether it's a pump or a CGM and we're running out of the house or Arden's leaving, but we're going to split up. And I think I must always say, Hey, look, that's a new pump. So, you know, let's be extra careful. That's a right. new CGM. Pay attention to how you feel. 
you should probably test in an hour. Right. And, you know, it, uh, I, I think we all have feelings around technology like, you know, a, a continuous glucose monitor or even an insulin pump site isn't a television. It's not just like it works. It, this, this thing should do exactly what it's supposed to do every time. This There's also a dance it's doing with your physiology. And that's different for many, many of us and not always repeatable in the same ways. So, Right. Like I, just I think got- there are some people too, um, someone who is a um, very true listener to your podcasts um, who I've been working with for a bit. And he actually wears two sensors. He wears G6 and he wears a Libre at the same time. Interesting. And, you know, a piece of it is the benefit with the the pumping system that he uses when it's when he has a new sensor, he wants to be able to continue to feed glucose values to the system in mm-hmm. order to keep it running, right? And doing what it's supposed to do. So he uses the Libre data then to plug in the glucose values in okay. order to not have to do finger sticks in that time period, I but see. to be able to still give it glucose values, which I think is, I, you know, if you're not, if you don't really care about wearing more robotic parts, that's a great idea, and you know, and, it, yeah, and right? then in those time periods too, and I've had them G6 for me has been kind of funny. I have, I would say I have really good accuracy with it, but by about day eight on 90% of my sensors thus far, Day eight, I start to get sensor error, wait three hours, and then it'll come back and I'll get a little data and then it'll give me another sensor error, wait three hours. Okay. And at this point, if I get it twice on day eight, I'm like, kaput, the air, the sensor's done. Then I take it off. It. I call it in. Dexcom's great. They've send me new ones. Right. And they always ask the same darn questions. I'm like, I don't know why it's dying on day eight for me, but it is. <laughs> so, um, but I mean, in, in terms of even just the time periods when you get those errors, having a backup like wearing a Libre, which again, also doesn't require any calibration, right. um, kind of can give you a backup in terms of your initial system. A little overlap. Of- it, yeah. it, right. It's a little overlap. We, so, you know, and we do testing in that time. Like I, I don't, I agree with you when, when I see people who are like, oh my God, the worst time in my life is the two hour warm up when I don't have Dexcom. Right. And I think those people must be newer right. to, to diabetes or, or to right. Dex or in general, because I've never once thought, oh my God, we've lost the CGM for two hours. Like this thing, like last right. night, it, you know, it, 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 um, it lasted the full 10 days, like right up to the, to the hard stop. And it wasn't a problem once during the, the thing. And then the next two hours, I just told Arden, I was like, like in an hour, just test. And if you right. need insulin, give it to yourself. Like, you know, the right. way we did it for years and years and years before this technology existed. Right. <laughs> I do. I feel like that's probably the case. And it's, um, I sort of have, I compare it to kind of being like, you're on the mothership and all of a sudden you get like spit out the back door and now you're like lost in space. (laughs) It is fascinating. Where am I traveling to? What's going on? I mean, quite honestly, finger stick. I mean, it's, I know that. And for, for many parents, I think it's hard when you've gotten so used to a system that you feel like you're saving your little one's fingers. Yeah. But you know what? They're going to be okay. It'll be all right. If you stick their finger, you know, I, they'll be okay if you get information that's going to help in the short term. Right. I, I'm helping a person right now. And I said, hey, why don't you check with the meter? And they have the contour. So I was like, I'm pretty comfortable with this. And 
they responded back and were like, we don't, we never test. And I yeah. said, well, you probably should a little bit. And, you know, and so, and now's one of those times. She said, why do you want me to test right now? I said, because we're about to do something and I want to be a hundred percent sure we're doing the right thing. And I don't know you. And, you know, I don't know when you put the CGM on, I don't know how you've managed it. Like I, I just want, I want a little peace of mind here. Right. Don't take your peace of mind from an old meter, but, you know, at the same time. Okay, ready? What do we have here? Dana's got some solid advice, I think. I've probably calibrated every sensor a few times, but it has to be a flat arrow. I use Dexcoms for trends and a finger pick th- a finger poke throughout the day. So if it's consistently off by 10 or 20 points over two and three or two or three checks, then I'll calibrate. So if she's off by more like between 10 and 20 points two or three times, then she brings the the CGM back. I have to admit, I would do that too. Mm-hmm. I don't know that that you know, she's saying she does it consistently through every sensor. We don't do that. But if I saw that, I agree I would do it. Mm-hmm. You know? And Arden's A1C very closely matches her Dexcom data. Right. So I'm comfortable that I'm doing the right thing. Yeah. Mine does too. And that's a lot of people do some comparison. I mean, I'll usually get emails from people and they're like, well, my my GMI from Dexcom was telling me this, but my A1C came back at this. What's what is the deal? You know, and yeah. I know that we've talked about that before on yeah. a couple of other episodes, but I mean, you have to understand the difference, you know, blood glucose versus interstitial glucose, a little bit of variance there could be. Um, I myself also have very good comparison between the Dexcom average and my actual A1C. They're they're close. I think they, the last one was within like one point or point one. Um, well, that is, so. that is definitely how I, in the end, assess whether or not I'm managing the sensor well. Right? right. And and it's funny too because you know, back in the day when people were rampant for information, back when information used to go really slow, like a new CGM, you know, the G five would come out and people right away I'd get the notes. Scott doesn't work, review it, blah blah blah. And I'm like, I'm not gonna know for three months. Like, why do you what are you talking Don't about? Don't ask me two days after, yeah, right? Yeah. Here's how we'll know. Three months from now, I'll look at Arden's data. Somebody sent me an email and said, please say data for me. So I, I'll look at Arden's data, and then I'll look at her A1C. And if they match, I'll say, huh, that CGM must have been pretty good <laughs> because there's right. no other way to tell. And right. so I do think that this is kind of crazy because it's user error a lot of the times, right? And, and not error like, oh, you screwed up. But I think, oh, you don't know how, which is why I want to put this this episode together. Because it just, it is. Like, sometimes this thing needs a little massaging. Chelsea Mm -hmm. said, we calibrate only if the arrow is stable, usually first thing in the morning and before I go to bed. Keep hydrated. Never calibrate when there is no arrow. Because she believes that that means the sensor is confused in general, right? Correct. That means the sensor is, it's still giving you data, but it's, it's making sure, like, all of its little algorithm whatever it's doing internally there, mm-hmm. it's not giving you an error of an arrow of direction because it's seeing a glucose value, but there's, there's can't too make much sense flux. Of it for the moment. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's kind of confused, I guess. Yeah. Uh, she goes on to say, um, 
try not to calibrate when food or rapid insulin's on board. And some people say, this is her gleaning, I think, what other people have said to her that works for her. Insert it, let it marinate overnight, and then calibrate it in the morning. And in fairness, Jeanette came in and said this and put arrows to it. Like, she was like, I completely agree with this one. Next person says, we rarely calibrate. We uh, know that the Dexcom will oftentimes be off a bit in the first 12 hours. If you do calibrate, do so when numbers are stable and not dropping, increasing quickly. Right. Yeah. See, people are starting to... The marinating idea is not, it's not, I guess, proprietary to Dexcom. A lot of people with Medtronic do exactly that as well because of, I think their sensor has long-term been a little bit more wonky Mm -hmm. kind of in the get-go kind of stage. So there are a lot of people who, even with the older Medtronic sensors would let it do that like marination. They'd sort of insert it at night. They'd start it up first thing in the morning, still get another two hours of wait time period, but it was enough that they got rid of that sink in period. Have you ever seen people put a sensor on, but, and then cover it? Yes. And not, not at all, like put a, a transmitter in it or anything like that. I've seen people yes. do that. In fact, I've had a couple of parents who do that with their kids, kind of this marinate idea. Mm-hmm. They'll use that, um, whatever it's called, K-Ban. It's like the the sticky wrap. It doesn't yeah. really stick stick. Like if you give blood itself. now, they wrap it around your the cotton. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So that what they'll do is they'll put the Dexcom on, not put anything in it, like meaning like a transmitter, and then they just wrap that around, let it sit, and then they start it up when the actual old, the old sensor dies. Because so. because. Uh, and Dexcom's been on in, in, in the past, obviously, a lot. And they've, they've you know, I've been told more than once, right, there's this, there's this wire that goes in and it needs time to, I mean, let's say acclimate to the interstitial fluid. Get um, wet, yeah, essentially, I think is what I so, say. It's soaking in, right, I think is yeah. the idea. Um, it's like, I guess it's like, you know, it's just like taking a, a log and dipping it in water and pulling it back out right away. The log's not wet in the middle from no. that. But if you throw it in there for a few hours, it'll soak through. Right. Um, uh, Gabriella, I only calibrate within plus or minus 30% of Dexcom readings, uh, directionally towards my, uh, readings directionally towards my meter. I don't get into calibration loops as a result. Have you ever seen a calibration loop personally where it asks you to calibrate, you calibrate, and then it tells you to calibrate again? I've not, not with G6. I have had that with G5, okay. but again, not often either with yeah. that. I think I've seen it. I, I'd honestly have to say maybe twice. And and we've gotten out of both of them by being persistent and and doing it. <clears throat> Here's a question for you. Let's say you calibrate and let's I'm gonna try to make up a number here. So let's just say your blood sugar is really 90. The Dexcom says you're 120. And you put in 90 and it says 110. You know, if you put in 90 again, it'll agree with you, right? I did not. Uh, I've never done that. A double calibration on close numbers forces it to agree. Now, the question in my head always is... Does it stick then? Is that right (laughs) to do? Or is it just making me feel better? And, And all I can say is that when I do that, things go okay afterwards. But I don't know if that's right or wrong. This is probably right where I'm thinking right now people are listening. 
and they're just right. like they're pulling their hair out and punching the dashboard of their car and they're like such bad information let's keep this in mind i'm just telling you what i've done in the past i'm not telling you it's a rule i'm certainly not saying dexcom says to do it we're having no. a little conversation here about what other people do because it's such a right. varied thing don't do it if you don't like it like you know or try it once and see what happens i don't know But I don't even know if the outcome's right or not. I do know that it it makes me comfortable. You said you've done it a couple of times, so it seems like it works when you've done it. Well, I've done it enough to say it out loud and let my voice be recorded while I'm doing it. Yeah. I ain't willy-nilly on here yelling about diabetes stuff. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah, I've never tried that, I guess, the next time that I feel like it warrants a Give it a whirl. See what happens. You might give that a whirl and see how that works out, especially at two o'clock in the morning. I'm like, I'm not low. <laughs> <laughs> Elena says, I don't calibrate. I find that calibrating leads to far more inaccuracy than just letting it go. With that said, I do think the first 24 hours or so of a new sensor can be rough and it eventually works itself out. Tara, we check on the first day. If it is 20 points off, we calibrate. And if it helps, and if it helps it not to be so wonky that day, any other time we spot check it, it's right on. That'll stop it, she's saying. Okay. Hmm. Um, Molly, I have never had to calibrate. And when I test, as long as my arrow is stable on my Dexcom, they match within three to eight points. Wow. If Jeez. Oh, That's great. Go get them, I think, you know, and I think a big piece of this, too, which has now been commented a couple of times yeah. by people, is hydration. That is a, and I know we've talked about it before, mentioned it before. That is just enormously important, and I think especially for for kids, um, little kids who you kind of have to coax them to drink more, right, and mm-hmm. remind them. I mean, kids without diabetes, I don't even think parents pay attention, honestly, to yeah. how much their kid is drinking through the course of the day, but. Kids with diabetes, certainly, especially with the fluxes that they have in their blood sugar, hydration is huge. And then you've got kids who are very into sport. I mean, they might be doing something for four hours, you know, four times a week. Make sure they're drinking. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so, but for sensors specific, though, hydration is so important. Well, you know, your point is well taken because today in the, in the private Facebook group for the podcast, it, Somebody asked about their creatine bun, uh, bun creatine or something like that. Like, yeah, their creatinine bun is, uh, yeah, blood urea nitrogen is what it stands. Thank for. you, Jenny. And everyone who came in who had any kind of a medical background was like, "Look, if I was you, I would just make sure I'm hydrated." Yes, you, you know, um, correct. Here, Natasha says, "Used to try to calibrate after the first 24 hours if Dex was still over 20 percent off. For the last sensor change, we did a pre-soak. Oh, see that." Uh, the new sensor, they soaked the sensor overnight and then snapped in the transmitter in the morning, and it worked without calibrating. Dex was very close to the contour next one. Thank you for the plug. Once uh, the 24 hours passed. Nice. De- Dex was also less jumpy during the 24 hours. And no, I've seen you know. that, too. That's actually an interesting comment. You know, with G6, the the system has smoothed the data. Right. Mm-hmm. So you get this smoother trend line with less jagged up yeah, and down. Yeah, yeah. But a lot of people have questioned in that first, like, let's even say 12 hours. Some people do get that like 
that little up down where you can see that the numbers, those little dots every five minutes, they are more up, down, up, down versus this nice smooth into each other. Um, So that's interesting that somebody kind of commented on that. Well, someone comes in and asks, do you, can you explain pre-soaking? And she, Natasha went on and said, before the current sensor expires, apply the new sensor, but not, but do not move the transmitter. So the type, uh, so the type one will still be wearing two sensors, one active, one inactive for a period of time. This gives the new sensor a chance to acclimate for longer than the standard two hour warm up period. If you do this, be sure to cover the new sensor to protect the delicate electronics. We use a Band-Aid. Oh, a Band-Aid. Yeah. I, yeah this is completely off label, obviously. Most of our, most of the podcast is off label, right? Uh- <laughs> right. Yeah. I would expect that a Band-Aid that's one of those like larger Band-Aids would probably be the better option just, just to, to really down. protect that internal part of the sensor. Because, yeah. you know, the funny thing about G6, and I didn't realize it initially after I started to wear it, but G6 has this like sticky stuff like inside. And when you remove your transmitter, you can see it on there. And that's why you have to clean the transmitter off every time you take it off. Doesn't it remind you of like petroleum jelly or something? It like does. That? I don't it's know what like, it is, though. Yes. Yeah. It's like. Carmex or like, you know, like, yeah, like from? petroleum jelly kind of. <laughs> I, I, um, I definitely know what you're talking about. Yeah. It, it, um, uh, listen, Linda, we never calibrate. And yeah. I have to say too, there are sensors for weeks in a row that we don't calibrate. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't need most of like, this is interesting to do, but I'm not a person who's in a position of saying, oh, wow, we really need to figure out what works. Cause what works for us is, you know. It's like going to be it, what works for you. And yeah. you might have sensor to sensor that one, one, I guess, idea of what to do with this particular issue. Mm-hmm. It could be different three months down the road when you've got another sensor. Oh, Jenny's getting sorry. a phone call. Don't worry. <laughs> I thought I had it turned off. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, it might be three months down the road that it's a completely different calibration need mm-hmm. right that you do something completely different this time versus the last time that you needed to calibrate yeah there's three people here irene jeanette and jolie and they all say the same thing like once in a while like i put it on and it works great but sometimes i get it where it asks me to calibrate twice after a warm-up even though it's not supposed like have you seen that and if i have and i didn't see that until gosh a cup maybe it was the beginning of, of this summer that i put a sensor on I gave it the code, mm-hmm. it accepted the code, and after the two hours, it was like, you need to calibrate with it with two finger sticks. And I was like, but I fed you a code. <laughs> and then it I believe it's every 24 hours then. If it didn't for some reason register the code, even though it told you you did, right. you'll get the two-hour warm-up two-finger stick. And after that, once a day, you'll get a request for another calibration every 24 hours with a new sensor. Okay. How amazing so. is all this, by the way? For it, Listen, for those of you who have walked into diabetes during the time of glucose monitoring, you're probably thinking, you know, oh, that sounds like a problem. And for anyone, Jenny or me with Arden, who were, were around before this, I think this is all, like, astonishingly amazing and just magical, you know. Um, Danielle, we rarely check with a finger poke. We only check when we are surprised by what Dexcom is telling us. I think that's important to remember. That is exactly how I feel about it. It's that like when I know, I don't know how to I don't know how I know, but when I don't trust it, I don't trust it. 
And right. you get that over time, I think. It's kind of like with the ones that, as you said, they start up and it just reads like L-O-W. Yeah, yeah. you're low. Your blood sugar is like 39. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I don't feel 39. I know. <laughs> I mean, I have, you know, symptoms, thankfully, for low blood sugar still. And I would know a 39. I mean, I, I really would. And so I can be like, yeah, that's totally wrong. I'm going to do a finger stick and it's going to come back at like 78 or mm-hmm. like maybe 90 or something, you know? So symptoms are another piece to it as well. If you are feeling very differently than what the CGM is telling you, even if you haven't done a finger stick in three months, yep. figure out where your glucometer is. <laughs> Go find that thing. <laughs> Bust it off. <laughs> Uh, Megan says, I don't calibrate. If it's inaccurate, we go off finger sticks. Uh, excuse me. Why can't I say finger sticks until Dexcom becomes accurate? Um, my daughter's been wearing Dexcom for two years. I only calibrate if it's off by more than 50 points, which is rare. And I only mm-hmm. calibrate when the, the arrow is level. Lizzie says, I have never calibrated a Dexcom CGM. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. It must have been, must be somebody then who's never been on G5 because that required calibration. That needed calibration, right. Yeah. Uh, so- Although, interestingly, I have had people who've worn G5 who've said, they I want just it back. Calibrate it. I just don't calibrate it. I've just let it. And honestly, the yeah. system will, it will keep running. Unlike G4 mm-hmm. and the previous, if you didn't calibrate it, it would just stop giving you information. G5 would keep giving you data. Okay. It would keep asking for calibrations, but it wouldn't but it would stop giving you the giving, data. It wouldn't stop giving you data. Oh, you're right. You're a hundred percent right. So, oh, I remember that too. Yeah. Okay, Sarah. In the morning with no carbs or insulin on board with a level arrow. Um, so we're starting to see some similarities with people's mm-hmm. answers that are that are repeating over. I mean, and over I again. think if you could put it together in a simple, it would probably be one: be hydrated. Yep. To make sure that the glucose value is stable or that you're in a stable time period, meaning you haven't eaten like the whole basket of like chicken fries and like ice cream. And now you're waiting for your sensor to give you good data. Right. <laughs> well, here so. I'll tell you what, there's a couple of in, there's a couple of statements in here that really does shine a light on what anecdotal information is, because there's a person and they're even putting a laughy face in it who says, I usually only need it during the first sensor session with a new transmitter. I feel like the new transmitter needs a few days to learn me. The transmitter has nothing to do with the measurement of your blood sugar. (laughs) It's just sending the signal, right? (laughs) But even – so that's it, right? Like you see something over and over again, and if you misconstrue it, all of a sudden you feel like it's a rule, you know? Um, Right. It's like when people, like Murphy's Law, oh, that thing always, I love it when people say this about diabetes, this stuff always goes wrong at the worst times. And to that, I always respond, what would a good time be for it to go wrong? Right. Every time feels like a bad time. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Yes. (laughs) Going along and living your life, and then all of a sudden, something you're counting on stops working. There's a good time for that. Y- it you know? always stinks. Yeah. No matter if it's two o'clock in the morning or when you're on the beach vacation or you're whatever in the middle of a basketball tournament, it's yeah, never a good time. <laughs> Jeff, Brent, and Jaya. I don't calibrate. If I I'm curious yeah. for those who are not calibrating. How close their A1C matches their I'd be curious about that, but I'd also be curious if 
there are also people that may not be doing finger sticks. So they may not really know if their sensor is really off. Yeah. Right. I mean, because, you know, having had diabetes as long as I have, I didn't have sensors for a good majority of my life with diabetes. Mm-hmm. I didn't. And I mean, my first sensor was in 2006. That's when I first started using them. And so I was always, I still am. I still do finger sticks during the day. Even if it's not to check my CGM, it's because it's time to eat. And I'm so just- You are programmed. I'm just programmed to do a finger stick. I do a finger stick when I wake up in the morning. I do a finger stick- at lunchtime, I do a finger stick at dinner time. I always do it before I go to bed. And I'll even do more than that during the day with exercise. Right. And I just, it's just a routine. It's like brushing my teeth. It's not something I think about anymore. So I think that I'm also a little bit more in tune then with, oh, my CGM is reading this. My finger stick was this, you know, and for those who pump, especially if you're relying on the CGM, but you've not really been doing finger sticks and you're kind of wondering why, well, my GMI from Dexcom is telling me this is my average, but every time I get my A1C done, gosh, it looks like I'm a lot higher. Yeah. Well, it it could just be that CGM just isn't reading you as accurately. Do you remember a long time ago in the original Omnipod PDM, there was the meter yes. and that the meter wasn't, it wasn't great. And so that's how I figured it out, right? So <laughs> yeah. how did I figure out the meter wasn't great? Because Arden's A1C kept coming back higher than it should. And it didn't match. This is before CGM. And it didn't match what the finger sticks were telling me. And that's when... Um, did oh you my, figure out how to play with the calibration Yeah, code? then you change the calibration <laughs> code and the meter works better. And so I used to... It was 17 or 18, right? All uh-huh. the all the test strips for the Omnipod PDM are code sixteen. Sixteen, mm-hmm. and some people change the meter to code seventeen, and some people change the meter to code eighteen, depending on which ends up being more accurate for them. We were eighteen. Correct. I know a lot of people were seventeen. Yes, right? I was eighteen. Yes, and then Arden's A one C started matching my expectations, just like that. So yeah. you can be mad about it if you want, but at this point now, that meter's a decade old. Right. And, you know, and so the people were like, I can't believe that the new dash doesn't have a meter in it. You don't want a meter in your technology because the meter keeps getting older. All of our new technology now is updatable, right? right. It's, it's like your iPhone. You want to put a new operating system on it, you can. A new app. But if you stick a, a physical piece of equipment into it, like a meter, now suddenly you are stuck with that meter forever. Right. And that's that's I don't think that's a good play. And I think that's why, if I had to guess why Omnipod took it out, I think that's one of the reasons. It and, could be. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's also the reason I think that they've decided, you know, now when you get Omnipod, um, the dash system, you get the contour next one. Right. And and, and the PDM is now really just sort of like a lockdown Android device. It, right. Right. Exactly. But it's but the point is, is that. I saw that as I was moving on. I kept thinking like, oh my God, this meter's old, old, old. And I felt tied to it at that point. You know, I am, I hate to say this, but I am so much more happy with the Contour Next one than I was with the PDM meter um, back in the day. I'm thrilled with it. And I think that too, people listening probably were like, oh my God, Scott's taking a meter ad. We know he uses Dexcom. He probably doesn't even use a meter. We use a meter Every time we need a meter. And right. it's a lot more than you think it is. And it's not because Dexcom's not great. It's for the reasons Jenny just said. 
So how I was actually meter. kind of curious, you know, I, my insurance doesn't cover the contour next one. I wish it did. Mm-hmm. Um, it covers the AccuCheck guide me, which is another very really similar to the contour. It's it, accuracy yeah. like kind of parallels. Right. But the interesting thing is I, I do have a contour next one and I had like the sample bottle of test strips that kind of comes with it. And so I played once I got my AccuCheck, I was like, I'm just curious. And they were pretty spot on with each other, quite honestly, which was nice to see. But I also then went back to my old school PDM mm-hmm. and my freestyle light test strips. And? and I figured out that actually that code 18 is the one. If it was the code 18, it was within like two to five points of the contour next and the AccuCheck. Yep. So that's what I figured out. Old school as it is. Mm -hmm. Code. I know. I know that doesn't make sense to a lot of people, but code 18 for code 16 strips in the old PDM, perfect for Arden. Was the way to go. You know what's interesting here? Here I have three people in a row who I know are not. Old school diabetes people, but been at it a long time, right? People whose mm-hmm. comments that I'll pay attention to when I see them roll by. Jen, a big note of calibration. Sean, personally, I would never use the G6 without calibrating. <laughs> <laughs> and then the third person, Maria, says, we calibrate if readings are off by more than 20%, but it doesn't happen that often. These are three people whose opinion I think are probably pretty good. And they said three different things. And they all do it differently. And I think it's also kind of as I commented earlier about my a good number of my sensors like just being done on day eight. Mm -hmm. I think it goes back to the the truth in that the sensor filament interacts with everybody's body system, body tissue, interstitial fluid, whatever you're gonna call it a bit differently. I think that's the reason some sensor systems work beautifully for some people and not so beautiful for others. I've got friends who love their Medtronic sensors, get really awesome accuracy, finger stick, Mm -hmm. CGM. It's always on. They don't have any problems with their systems. I could not get that thing to work for me for the life of me. And I wore both my sensors. I wore Medtronic and Dexcom and it just never was good. You know, here's another name that I, I, Kristen, who I know, and she says, I've never calibrated. I do not believe my blood. Here's why. I do not believe my blood glucose meter to be more accurate than my Dexcom. So she just doesn't Mm. have probably a meter that she can, confidence in her meter. And some people don't think about that. They're just like, yeah, I checked it. So the meter, the meter's like God, you know, the meter said, so the meter's right. Well, you know, some of those meters, if you've seen the testing, I brought it up recently on an episode. There's a, I think the last one was like 2018, right? And it kind of ranked them only yes. like six meters even ranked in like, I would use this if I was you. All the other ones were like, don't buy this meter. Right. Like, the variance was way off. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, Okay, we're out of time, aren't we? Because we're also at the end of the list. I only had you for yes. an hour today. Um, yes. So I, I actually got down to the list. There's people's, I'm sorry, I, I skipped some that obviously were repetitive. But yeah, like Jenny said in the middle, I think that what works for you is important, that checking with a quality meter is important. And it seems that, you know, the consensus seems to be if you're going to calibrate, make sure you're hydrated at a stable blood sugar before exercise, no active insulin, that kind of stuff. So that the thing has a chance to get really read together. you correctly from yeah. the beginning. Yeah. That's it. I wonder if we'll get yelled at about this. I don't think I don't so. Know. I think we were very clear. 
Yeah. I don't think, I mean, it's not like we're saying this is what you should definitely be doing a hundred percent to make. I mean, that's not, yeah. this is not medical advice. This is just discussion. Jennifer, this is a woke culture. Okay. If you say something out loud that somebody doesn't agree with, you're trying to ruin the world. Don't you understand? I do understand. <laughs> yes. All right. Listen, I want to wish you a lot of luck changing your light bulb. And I really okay. wish I knew your husband because I would go behind your back and tell him that you don't know how to change the light bulb. <laughs> like, I, well, he will laugh at me. He'll be like, well, don't you see this little like thing on the side? This is where you like pull it off. And so I'm like scouring. Well, listen, uh, so I'm going to help you for a little bit before you go. He's get up on a ladder and look around the ridge at the ceiling to see if there's little set screws that are holding the whole thing there up. There are not. No set I screws. Did, there are no screws. There's nothing. So then it's got to be. Did you twist it for not? I don't want you to twist it out of the ceiling, though. <laughs> yeah, I twisted the glass part of it, which is would be the next option because right. I've seen the glass bulbs that just twist off, right? This one is either really screwed in unbelievably tight, which I guess might be the case, or maybe I'm just too worried to try to unscrew it right. like heavier because I don't want it to crack in my hand. Here are my two thoughts. When you're trying to turn it, is the base, the metal base turning with it? No. Okay. So maybe you have, I don't think you have to turn the base, but what I am thinking is, is it possible that it's a reverse thread? Oh, counterclockwise. Maybe you have to turn it the other way. Opposite. opposite. I wish you had enough time. I would like to make you go up right now and turn it and see if it comes off. But instead, I will just wait for your text message later. And (laughs) I will will let you know whether I required help to change the light bulb or not. I 100% agree. You shouldn't tell anybody about this. That's all. Thanks. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for doing this. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Have a good weekend. See you. You too. Bye. Okay. Bye. Hey, everybody. Jenny's gone. I'm still here. We're going to do everybody's favorite podcast thing. I'm going to read to you for a second. This is from Dexcom.com in their frequently asked questions. The question is, is my Dexcom sensor accurate? Heading Dexcom G6 continuous glucose monitoring system, reading and meter value. Whether you're new to Dexcom or experienced, Review product instructions before using the Dexcom G6. Keep using your blood glucose meter to make treatment decisions until you know how Dexcom works for you. Your meter gives you one number if you test twice, using the same or even different meter. It gives you another number, and your Dexcom G6 gives you a third. What do you do with all those numbers? Next heading is the test. The test your doctor does is considered a more accurate glucose number than any products you use at home. Both meters and Dexcom G6 are compared to that doctor's test to measure accuracy in clinical studies. They aren't compared to each other. Because of this, the Dexcom G6 reading and meter value are unlikely to be exactly the same number, but they should be close. Compare the meter and your Dexcom G6 to see how closely the numbers match each other. If your G6 reading and meter value are within what we call the 20 rule, also known as the 20% 20% 20 rule, they match closely. Here's the rule. To use the 20 rule, follow these steps using the table below. My gosh, there's a table. Look up your meter value in the green middle column. The left G6 column shows the low range for G6 reading. That Okay, you're going to have to go look at this yourself. I'll put a link in the show notes for this 2020 rule. Goes on to talk about good finger stick practices. When you're using your meter, make sure your test strips are stored as directed and not expired. Your hands are clean for finger sticks. Wash your hands thoroughly with soap and water, not hand gel, and dry them, then test. There are times when the numbers temporarily don't match, 
but are likely to become closer over time. For example, the sensor's first day. With newly inserted sensors, the difference between your meter value and your G6 reading may be greater. Generally, the match gets closer over the first 24 hours. Glucose changes quickly. When your glucose is changing quickly, it is more difficult to compare numbers. The meter and Dexcom G6 measure glucose from different sources. They are blood and interstitial fluid. And blood glucose changes a little before interstitial fluid. The match gets closer and easier to compare when your glucose stabilizes. Pressure on the sensor. When something is pressing on your sensor, it can affect your G6 readings. The match should get closer after the pressure is relieved. That, of course, is what people call a compression low. So everything they're saying here matches pretty much everything that we found um, talking to Jenny, you know, my experiences, and what everybody in the Facebook page was saying. To determine what to do, watch your G6 readings over several hours. If the readings are always higher or always lower than your meter values and always outside of the 20 rule, consider calibrating. Also consider calibrating if your Dexcom G6 and meter numbers don't match and your expectations or symptoms fit the meter value, not the G6 reading. Calibration. Calibrating your G6 with your meter is never required. It can make the Dexcom G6 more accurate or less accurate compared to lab results, but it should bring the G6 reading closer to the meter. When calibrating, make sure you enter the calibration within five minutes of taking the finger stick. You don't calibrate during a sensor error. If you like, you can calculate the 20 rule on your own. The Dexcom G6 reading must be within 20% of the meter value when the meter value is 80 MGDL or higher. 20 MGDL of the meter value when the meter value is under 80. Please note that the information listed here is applicable to the Dexcom CGM user within the U.S. only. I cannot just read you this link because it is, it looks very, maybe I can. Hold on one second. So it's Dexcom.com forward slash FAQS forward slash is dash my dash Dexcom dash sensor dash accurate. Like I said, I'll put a link in the show notes. Huge thanks to the Contour Next One blood glucose meter for sponsoring this episode. Go to contournext.com forward slash juicebox to learn more. And thanks to touchbytype1.org for being such a wonderful long-term friend of the show. Check them out, touchedbytype1.org. Of course, if you'd like to get a Dexcom CGM, dexcom.com forward slash juicebox. You can get a free, no obligation demo of the Omnipod tubal insulin pump at myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox. Take the survey at t1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox. Guys, ready to hear Jenny admit to not being able to do something that I think she's kind of embarrassed about and some other chitter chatter? If you're looking for bonus material, I got you covered. Morning, Mike. <laughs> I've fed children. I've gotten them changed. I've wiped butts. I have um, washed my hands. And then I picked my tomatoes and my peppers (laughs) from my garden. And Jenny, what time did you get up? Six o'clock. Oh, so last night. That was seven o'clock your time. Oh, yeah. Last night. Last night, as Arden's pump was winding down, I was like, it'll make it overnight. Then. Her CGM, <laughs> then her CGM ended. Right. 
right? And we changed our CGM around seven o'clock, and it was done. It lasted the entire, you know, ten days. Uh, it was working great right when it shut off, and we hit like a little bit of a bleeder. I was like, ah, that'll probably be okay. So it comes on in two hours, and Arden's CGM starts are all exactly the same. It comes on, knows her blood sugar perfectly, and within an hour tells me she's low when she's not. And then we, we coax it along and get it going, and it's fine. So this happens. Around midnight, I go to sleep. And at 2 a.m., Kelly wakes me up, and she goes, hey, I need help. We changed Arden's pump because her blood sugar was going up, and her CGM's lost its signal. And I was like, okay, no problem. I'll take care of it. You go back to sleep. And I did take care of it, Jenny. And then I went back to sleep (laughs) at 6 (laughs) a.m. I was up for four hours in the middle of the night. Oh, no. And um, it just, it would come back, and it would go away, and it would come back, and it would go away. But I'm... I know it's going to be all right. And if this would have happened in the middle of the day, I want to be clear that this doesn't happen often to us. It just happened this time at a really bad time. But since it did happen, I know what I want to talk about today. (laughs) Oh, great. And while we're doing that, I'm going to actually, I've got like, Oh my God, I have so many cords in my life. What's going on? What is the deal with cords? Right. The room is cleaned up though. It's different. Oh, be- oh, because we are putting in new floors oh. in this room. No kidding. This this is the bigger of we put in new floors in our living room. We are like we are purging our home of carpet. Okay. Blah. <laughs> um, so living room got done. Now we're moving on to the space that has been my office, which interestingly has been it's the bigger of the two like spare bedrooms right okay and so we're gonna put new floors in here and then we're gonna put new floors in what is now the room that the boys technically share okay we're gonna then transition rooms i'm gonna take that room which is actually the smaller and and we're gonna move their stuff in this room and this is the bigger of so you're under well listen we are actually, fun stuff it's, it's amazing i know there's nothing like being an adult is there we just ordered a, a adulting stinks a floor stinks. for arden's room and she very arden just picked this floor that wasn't very expensive so we were like okay yeah you can have that <laughs> she's like can i do this and when she picked that one we were like yes you can uh and, <laughs> and you absolutely can but we're replacing we it's funny you said this. We wanted to replace. We have hardwood through most of our house, so uh-huh. the kids' bedrooms and this room I'm in uh, is carpeted, and then our living room is carpeted. But everything else has tile or, or wood, mm-hmm. and we wanted to make the living room tile or wood or something. We weren't really sure what, because the one I, one of the bonehead mistakes we made when we put the house together was we bought this carpeting. And didn't realize, and dog owners will know right away, you don't buy looped carpeting with a dog, right? And we didn't know that. Our carpet. Or cats. Ha- oh. Or. Uh-huh. I think the over under on poles that I fixed in that carpet have to be in the thousands, you know, or sometimes the dog's leash or something gets caught on, he runs away and just yanks out like six inches of carpet. And I actually get back down on my hands and knees with a hot glue gun and toothpicks and put each one back in again, right? 
Horrible. Oh my God, you have so much more time than me. Oh my, oh God. my God. Well, was, well <laughs> the other option was to like, burn the house. Bad. <laughs> the other option would have been to burn the house down. It was like right in the middle of the room, you know? Like I was like, we got to get out of here. It was just really bad. And so we can't afford to put wood down or what we wanted to put down in there right now. So we just went out and bought like a really inexpensive piece of carpet and it's being delivered in a couple of days. I can't believe we're doing flooring at the same time. At the same time. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen the floor in that room. Usually there's like a nice couch behind you and that's all I see besides like closet doors. Yeah. Well, my son stole the couch just so you know. So that's gone now. (laughs) Um, He's like, I'm going to take this sofa into my room because, and he's home forever. So we're like, all right, he's, you know, I'm like, I'm going to take the couch, you know? So he's got that. And I have all of Arden's junk in here because we're waiting for the flooring to be put in her room. So it's a bit of a disaster. Yeah. Anyway. Um, but I was going to say, yeah. I'm going to get yet another cord do because I totally do. forgot to plug the cord for the computer, like direct connect in. So give me a sec. Yeah, sure. I make Jenny plug her. I don't let her use Wi-Fi while we're doing this. So she's dragging an Ethernet cable across the room. Okay. And I also realized that I I have no clue how to change the lights. What do you want to change this. in there? What do you mean? We want I I well, light bulbs in the ceiling died. You don't and I don't I cannot figure out how to get the what light. What are you talking about? Let me see. Oh. I don't know oh, how oh. to get it off. I have no idea. <laughs> Is there no screw in the middle of it? That's there visible? are no screws. I've tried to turning the it. glass. It doesn't unscrew. <laughs> I don't know what to do. So I have a big old like floor lamp in here now, so that I actually have light. Have you brought anyone else into um to to try to figure it out? No. Mm-mm. I should ask. Do I know you, I should ask my husband. Do you not want to tell your husband you can't figure out how to change the light bulbs? Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not this dumb. Like, I don't know what the deal is. So. Well, you're not wrong. It's, it, if it, is it glass? It's a dome, right? And it's glass. Right. So it's like the wrong move. Like, I, and I just, I think I also need to get like a taller. Are you reaching ladder. like this? Yeah. Because I've got just the basic, which this stool has worked fine for all of the other like ceiling things, right? So one. why wouldn't it work for this How one? How long has the light bulb and that light been working for you? Is this the first we, time you try to change it? It is. We moved in. It'll be October 1st. It'll be two years in this house. Um, and we've not changed the light bulbs in this light since, obviously. Wow, that's I'm, a good run. I'm doing Right, run. and good lights, I guess you know. But they also don't get used that very that often, um, because I'm really only in this room during the daytime. Okay, and so unless it's really dark in here, I typically don't usually use them. I hear you. Um, but anyway, yeah. Cool. All right, listen. Let's try to bring your yes. Your bring your microphone a little closer to you. Closer to me. Is that better? Try again. Better. Yes, oh, that's excellent. Okay, there's no, the good, spot. Good, good. That's right? a good spot. So, hopefully, we've answered some of your questions today about how to calibrate or not calibrate your Dexcom G6. And the other burning question how many people does it take to change a light bulb in Jenny's house? As of now, we know the answer to be more than one if Jenny's involved and it's in her office. Thanks so much for listening to the Juice Box podcast. Please take the time to share the show with a friend. 
and leave a wonderful five-star review on Apple Podcasts if you are so inclined. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Best of the Juice Box Podcast. I hope you understand better now the process of calibrating your Dexcom G6. And I also hope that you're interested in learning more about the Omnipod 5 or the Omnipod Dash. Don't forget to use my link, omnipod.com forward slash juicebox. Would you like to save 35% on this sweatshirt that I'm wearing here or these silky joggers? Am I rubbing my legs while I'm saying it? I'm not going to tell you because it sounds creepy, but they're super soft. CozyEarth.com. Save 35% at checkout with the offer code JUICEBOX. And of course, you can get 10% off your first month of therapy at BetterHelp.com forward slash JUICEBOX just by going through that link. That's all you have to do. If you'd like to know more about BetterHelp, there's going to be a short explanation at the end of this episode. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back very soon with another episode of the Juice Box Podcast. If you enjoyed this conversation and you're not in my private Facebook group, it's absolutely free and I think you would love it. Juice Box Podcast, Type 1 Diabetes on Facebook. Private group, 35,000 plus members. That's over 35,000 members. Tons of conversations, opinions, perspectives, and great conversation. Absolutely free. Go check it out. If you enjoyed the Juice Box podcast or this episode or any episode, please go into the audio app you're listening in and leave a five-star rating and a thoughtful review that will help someone else to understand why you love the podcast. The podcast is sponsored today by BetterHelp. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service and is 100% online. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 25,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. BetterHelp.com forward slash juicebox. To get started, you just answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy. That way, BetterHelp can match you with the right therapist from their network. And when you use my link, you'll save 10% on your first month of therapy. You can message your therapist at any time and schedule live sessions when it's convenient for you. Talk to them however you feel comfortable, text, chat, phone, or video call. If your therapist isn't the right fit, for any reason at all, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. And the best part for me is that with BetterHelp, you get the same professionalism and quality you expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you. And you're going to get more scheduling flexibility and a more affordable price. I myself have just begun using BetterHelp. BetterHelp.com forward slash juice box. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com forward slash juice box. Save 10% on your first month of therapy.